We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Wednesday. Ryan Roberts is with me, recruiting director of recruiting at Irish Breakdown. I'm Brian Driscoll, your publisher and owner of Irish Breakdown. We are going to talk some receivers today, Ryan. This has been a topic that gets a lot of conversation. The the We're kind of going through season previews. This is sort of going to be our receiver preview, but we're going to take a little bit of a different angle on it because – this is a position, Ryan, that, that gets a lot of conversation with fans, understandably so. There's a lot of question marks at wide receiver. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of potential, but not a lot proven. It's been a position that's been kind of a hot mess the last few years in so many different ways. You're talking about we're a year from, removed from an offseason, which they lost five players from the depth chart to depth chart to transfer all but one of them would would still be on the current roster if if not for all those issues. So it's a very interesting situation, but there's also a lot of talent potential. There's a lot of talk of moving this person, that person doing this and you know, getting a grad transfer and all these other kind of things. So we're going to talk a lot of, about a lot of this stuff. And then of course at the end, after we talk about the team, we're going to talk a little receiver recruiting because I think that obviously is a nice tie in where things are with current recruits. And how important this class is to restocking this depth chart moving forward, because the 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 it's it's there's eight scholarship receivers, but one of them's a walk, you know, a former walk on in, in Matt Salerno. So there's really seven, and they're going to lose three this off season. So it, it's not something that's just going to get fixed in one off season. We're going to talk about that as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think the first thing to do, Ryan, is sort of have a bit of a state of the union, so to speak, on the receiving depth chart. And I think that's the the place to start. And I think you have to start with the change at the top. I think that people kind of ask me, you know, I've been asked this before, like, why are you so optimistic about the receiving core and and what it may be this year? And my, my first answer is, you know, I I'm more confident they're going to be better prepared. I think that's the big thing is we've seen so much talent wasted in recent years where when guys did have success, it was more often not just built on their own, just God given ability, not necessarily, you know, great coaching and those type of things. And, and and so I think the, the move of Chancey Stuckey really is the first reason for optimism. Just, it can't be worse than what it was. That's number one. And number two, what we did see in the spring, you know, you and Vince had a chance and Sean had a chance to see him firsthand in action. We saw the results in spring practices. We saw results in the blue gold game. And then we saw what he did at Baylor, Ryan. You know, we've looked at 2020 film of Baylor. We've looked at 2019 film of Baylor. And then we look at 2021 film of Baylor, and you see the same kids, but a much more refined group, fundamentally sound group. So I think that, to me, is the biggest thing. Is I, I with, with all the concerns that we've had, this is going to be a group that is much better prepared to handle playing the position the right way than it has in the past. It's it it the way I look at it, it can't get worse, right? Like it's it's something where Notre Dame's never had a deficiency at talent at wide receiver. We've talked about that a ton, right? Like you look at guys like Chase Claypool, and I mean, if you go back even further, we can start with Will Fuller, and then you go to the Chase Claypools and the and the uh you know the recency of like a Kevin Austin and the Miles Boykins, and those guys are all Kevin free. Stefferson, Javon Kevin McKinley. Stefferson. I mean, yes, there's there's been talent there. The, the, wor- the worst athlete that you just said was Javon McKinley, right. right? Like there's been some athletic, athletic dudes that have blown up the combine or their pro days. Like it's just mm-hmm. been a kind of a, a running, a run, a little bit of a running tab on those guys. Right. So it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a talent deficiency. It never has been. 
the deficiency is with developments and mm. we, everything we've seen and are led to believe by the improvements you said of Baylor from 2020 to 2021. Because the thing about Baylor 2020 to 2021, Brian, was last year their top receivers were Tyquan Thornton, who was a senior, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I think R.J. Sneed may have been a, a fourth-year player, and now he's a fifth-year yeah. player, if I remember correctly. That or he's a fifth and now a sixth, one of the two. Exactly. Yeah, he was yeah. so he was, he was a veteran, well-seasoned player. And usually those guys – can take a jump, but not usually to that degree of a jump, right? Like Tyquan Thornton went from an afterthought as a junior to a second round draft pick as a senior. Like that jump mm-hmm. is astronomical, right? So I think the it's a short sample size, but you've seen Coach Stuckey has had impact in only one year with Baylor. And then you look that and you say, with the talent that you have at wide receiver historically at Notre Dame and continuing here, I have no reason to believe that when you look at at Coach Stuckey now dealing with guys like Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather shortly, why shouldn't this? Why shouldn't the expectations from fans and from people just evaluating the team? Why shouldn't we believe that the wide receiver position in 2022 is going to be a whole lot better? I'm led to believe that just on just based upon a couple of those facts kind of stringing together. I think Ryan's. I think for me, when I look at this group, I, I think that when the the big concern is what depth, right? And I think part of the concern that people have with depth is uh, as we kind of look at the receiver, what what Coach Stuckey's done, and now transition into kind of the next question, which is the depth chart. I think one of the things that that makes me not as concerned with the depth chart is the fact that there's this there's this look at okay, well they lost Kevin Austin, and and but that's it. Right. Like that's all they lost. They're adding Tobias Merriweather. So they got less experienced, but they, they, the depth hasn't changed. Right. The depth is still the number that it was last year. It's just now Lorenzo Styles is a year older. You have Deion Colsey's a year older. Jaden Thomas is a year older. And I know there's some injury concerns. Get that. But there was injury concerns coming into last season. It's just with different players now. We were concerned about where Braden Lindsay was, you know, from an injury standpoint. We were concerned with some, you know, where some other guys were coming back from injuries. Kevin Austin was coming back from an injury last year that he suffered late in the you know in the middle of the year or late in the year actually when you look at the timing of it it was the middle of the season for Notre Dame in 2020 but it was late because of the season started late I mean you know later in the year he got hurt kind of right before the pit game which is only game five but that was late October because because the season started later than normal so I, I look at it and it's just a situation where Ryan, I, I say, I don't think the depth numbers are the, are as concerning for me as they are for others. They would have to go through like three injuries for it to be a problem. And now where the depth is a concern gets more into the preparation aspect of it, right? Like you're not going to have as many young receivers that, you know, like CJ Williams and Amorian Walker, let's just say they had signed with Notre Dame. I'd be feeling a lot better about Notre Dame scout team situation and depth for the future, right? Because you're going to lose three receivers off this team and they're going to have to be replaced by freshmen next year, basically. And so that's, those are the areas where you get concerned is you're not going to, you're going to have a lot of walk-ons down there, given the first team defense a look, that's not an ideal situation. That, that, that is a legitimate concern, right? Or you're going to have to say, Hey, we'd rather have, you know, Jaden Thomas up with the varsity, so to speak, but we have to put him down there this week because they need that look. Those are the different question marks and concerns that you have to make 
when you talk about breaking this this depth chart down. That's where it's a bit concerning. But barring injuries, I think the receiving numbers are okay in regards to what you're going to put on the field on a Saturday. So I think that's a that's that that is the concern. I think that is where that is. And here's the thing: if there are injuries and the lack of depth, the one thing we need to kind of stop talking about is moving someone to receiver. And I talked about this in the special edition mailbag I did the other day. It would make zero sense to move a kid from another position to come and be a depth piece at wide receiver. For example, Xavier Watts is a name that gets brought up a lot. Everybody knows I'd love to have him a receiver. But the reality is, is you're not going to move him to receiver now to be a depth guy because he missed the spring. If you're going to make that move, it had to be before the spring. It had to where he can then go through spring, get all those reps and all those type of things. Now you're gonna you're not you're not gonna move the receiver now when now you've got Avery Davis back and Joe Wilkins is back and Tobias Merriweather's here. There's now three new bodies that are taking reps away that he could have gotten a spring. You're just not gonna do that. You're not gonna take a guy that that is in in the rotation somewhere else and move him to receiver to be a depth piece. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me to bring in a grad transfer to just be a depth piece at this point because they're over 85 scholarships, which means to get that, that means somebody has to go. The reality is, is Notre Dame has six tight ends on scholarship. They have five running backs on scholarship, and they have seven recruited receivers on scholarship. There's plenty of pass game weapons, especially for an offense that runs as much non-11 personnel as Notre Dame does. That's the other thing you have to consider. If Ohio State or USC or Clemson to a degree, if those teams were in a situation where they only had, you know, five to six healthy receivers, that would be a problem because they were much heavier 11, 10 personnel offenses. Notre Dame almost never runs 10 personnel. That's one back, zero tight ends, four receivers. They run a lot of 11 personnel, no question, but Notre Dame has a two deep plus one in their 11 personnel. They're just young. And, it, and there's 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 athletes at receiver at tight end, in my opinion, and at running back. When you look at guys like uh, Jabron Payne's the first guy that comes to mind, right, is is there are guys, you know, Chris Tyree out of the backfield as a weapon. You know, he could do some some screen. He's not a slot receiver that a lot of people say he's not a guy that's going to be running routes down the field, things like that a, a bunch. You know, but he can run crossing routes. He can run bubbles. He can do some things out of 21 personnel, you know, or like you say, put Audrick Estime in the backfield. And he can do that even if he is the number one back, which we think he will be coming into fall camp. So you look at Eli Raritan, you look at Kane Barong, you look at Michael Mayer. Those are three guys that can do a lot of things that a third receiver would do. Michael Mayer can line up in the boundary, right? Eli Raritan can line up in the boundary. Kane Barong can line up in the slot and create some really interesting matchups where you put the defense in a bind where you're going to do some of your 11 personnel type of route combinations but now you're doing with a bigger body that you can then get into an attach. So do you keep your base defense? Do you put an extra backer on the field to defend against the run? You now put the defense in a bit of a bind. So the way that Notre Dame runs their offense, it's much easier for them to adapt to if there is a numbers issue than it is maybe for other offenses. And that's something that has to be considered too. Like Bama's that the same, similar to Notre Dame. Bama actually had some depth issues at receiver in 2020. Like late in the year, they had some young guy injuries. They were kind of getting low on numbers. And so they started running a mess of 12 personnel in the second half of the year. If you go look at the SEC title game, they started in 12 personnel and played a ton of 12 personnel in that game. They played a ton of 12 personnel in the, in the championship game against Notre Dame. 
at times. You know, like there were series where they just flat out go 12 personnel. So as we kind of look at the season, it's not ideal to be sitting here at seven receivers. It's not. We're not we're not saying it's oh, they're totally fine. They're in a they have a very thin margin for error because you you have two things. Number one is if 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 there's injuries, you're in trouble. But here's the other thing: it's not just injuries. What if a couple guys don't pan out? What if a couple guys don't make the progress that you expect? Or you know, there's all types of different things. A, a guy's not making plays, a guy's struggling. You don't have a lot of answers to turn to. That's where it can get concerning as well. My whole point is simply that at this point in time, based on where they are, there's not another move out there to be made to fix the problem now. The As far as moving a player or, or bringing in a player, the, the move is to design your offense around being a lot more multiple than maybe mm-hmm. what you otherwise would have been if you had a couple more receivers and had a little bit more depth. That would be my point to it. I, I, think, one, I think to your last point about the – if players do not pan out it's like you have a you have a smaller margin for error at that point right like then you're counting on yes in in an ideal situation you have you know seven guys that are ready to play football but what if you only have three or four that are ready to play football then that decreases your ability to have a any sort of rotation and then that cuts into you know i mean maybe durability but definitely attrition at the position there's no doubt about that well, Ryan, along those lines, Notre Dame has done this in the past. 2018, they hardly ever took Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool off the field. And and the the ro- the lack of rotation was something that we complained about. You know, at Irish Breakdown, well, actually at the time I was at I was at, at BGI, but that was something I often complained about, the lack of depth and the lack of rotation. They didn't play Kevin Austin much. They didn't play Brain Lindsay. They didn't play Lawrence Keyes and those type of guys, and it was a little frustrating. But – you could you you started to see Chase and Miles wear down a little bit late in the year, especially Miles. You know he he wore down a little bit. He kind of got fresh again for the bowl game, but that that's that they ended up being okay because they're bigger bodies. And that's the thing is this receiving core is a much smaller group where the physicality of the game is going to wear on them a little bit more than it did Chase and Miles. Like Miles could be a step slow and still make plays because he was so big. You could just back shoulder him and those type of things. Same with Chase. If Lorenzo's worn out because he's got to play 85, 90% of the snaps, same thing with Avery Davis coming off of a torn ACL, Joe Wilkins coming off of a foot injury. Like Those are not situations where you're going to be playing those guys 50, 60 snaps a game because the smaller guys are going to wear down a little bit more, and then they lose their speed. And once guys like that lose their speed, they become far less effective than a six foot four, two hundred twenty five pound guy like Miles Boykin, or a six four, two hundred thirty pound guy like Chase Claypool, and that's why you can't point to that as an example and say, "Hey, you're you're going to be okay here." I think that that it's just the nature of the system, the nature of the offense is 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 concerning that. And again, it creates a like you said, if what if a couple of these guys aren't ready to play, your margin for error becomes much thinner. Now you're playing these smaller guys a, a higher volume of snaps than ideally desired. It 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 becomes it becomes a problem for me. And and, and that's it, the bigger concern for me. And and to the attrition side of it too, Brian, you're also potentially going to be you're going to be depending a whole lot on some younger receivers because when you think about it, you mentioned Joe Wilkins, who has had some injuries that he's been dealing with this spring and both last season. We can talk about Avery Davis that's coming back from the injury, and I know he's been pretty durable otherwise besides for that injury last season. But then also Brayden Lindsay has dealt with some nagging injuries in the past as well. So your, t- your top three veterans 
have all had spurts of injuries in the past. So then you're so if if something dwindles, like I think the runs of Styles is going to be a star. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been very adamant about that, but he's still only a sophomore, right? right. Like he's a, he's a young guy. What's he? Nineteen years old? Maybe going to be twenty right. at some point during the season potentially. You're talking about being hopeful for a guy like Deion Colsey, but we haven't really seen it yet, right? Like he's and again. He's only a sophomore. Tobias Merriweather, everyone's excited about Tobias, and right. I am too, and I get it, but he's still only going to be a true freshman. Right. I mean, like, meaning there's uncertainty. Exactly. That's the question. Like, you, if a freshman breaks out and has a great year, that wouldn't shock me. If Renzo becomes a dude, that wouldn't shock me. But what you're, what, to, to Ryan's point, Notre Dame is in a situation where they need that to happen. That's not where you want to be, where you need a guy to step up. And sometimes it works out, you know, like when DeVarce Daniels got suspended in 2014, they needed somebody to step into that shadow and it was going to be a sophomore. Most likely it was going to be Will Fuller or Corey Robinson or, you know, Torrey Hunter Jr. And it needed to happen. Well, fortunately they had a Will Fuller breakout and it, it kind of saved them a little bit, but that was like, okay, you don't want to have to be, you know, putting all your eggs in freshman and sophomore baskets, right? I mean, you, you if they break out, great. You, it, it's like with anything, right? You want young guys to play because they're ready and they've proven themselves, not because you have to play them. And, and that's a bit of the concern for me at the receiver position. So the margin for error is, and the margin for injury or guys not stepping up is, is really razor thin. And I think that's where the problem comes into. The second part of this conversation, Ryan, is, Look, there's always this conversation of who's the alpha, right? And and the alpha's 87, right? The alpha's Michael Mayer. The past game alpha's Michael Mayer. But as we talked about last year, we had the same conversation last year. Who was going to come up and compliment him? And it ended up being Kevin Austin to a degree. If Notre Dame wants to compete for a title, however, the alpha, the step-up guy has to be better for Notre Dame this year than what Kevin Austin was for Notre Dame last year. Now, Kevin Austin made some big-time plays in the Wisconsin game. I give him that. I mean, big-time plays. Two touchdowns, the the you know wrestling the ball away from the Wisconsin guy for the touchdown early in the game was, was big. The problem is, is he played relatively poorly in all the other big games, and that, that that's a problem. You know, he started off well against Oklahoma State, then faded in the second half as Oklahoma State rallied from 21 back. And he made a play late when they backed off their coverage because they were going to let Notre Dame score, basically. He, he really didn't shine in some of the bigger games. You know, I think of that that third down drop that he had against USC early in the game, if you remember that, Ryan. If he catches that, it's first down. They go down and, you know, potentially score a touchdown. So they need someone that can step up and, and be that number two guy in, in big games. So against Ohio State, against BYU, against Clemson, and against, against Boston College and against USC. They need someone to do that. And right now we don't know who that's going to be. We know who we think it could be, and we know who we hope it is, but we don't know who that is going to be. And I do think that there needs to be a, a second guy to step up. Now, here's the interesting thing. It doesn't always have to be the same guy in every game. And that's where I think Notre Dame lacked last year, is when Kevin Austin was off his game, you didn't see the other guy step up enough. You right. know, Avery had the big play against Purdue, but outside of that, like when Kevin was off his game against Toledo, none of the other receivers really stepped up and said, hey, I got this. Mm-hmm. You know, when Kevin was off his game against Cincinnati, none of the other receivers really stepped up and said, I got this. It wasn't until Braden Lindsay made that great catch for touchdown down 17 nothing, right, or it was 17-7 at the time, that you really started to see receivers step up and make plays. It was all re- relying on Michael Mayer. 
And and so that is the thing for me when 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 USC when Oklahoma State kind of took Kevin Austin out of the game and took the RPOs Lorenzo Styles out of the game, nobody's able to step up and say, okay, I got this right. And I think that's the concern for me. It doesn't have to be Lorenzo Styles every single game. It can be Lorenzo against Ohio State. It can be Braden Lindsey against Clemson. It can be Avery Davis against USC. It can be Tobias Merriweather against BYU. It can be Deion Colsey against. Boston College don't care, but they need guys to be willing to step up and, and do those kind of things. And I think that's that to me is the biggest the biggest thing with all this is look the talent is there, right? There's plenty of talent. Notre Dame has several players on their roster receiver that were ranked as top hundred recruits by somebody. Lorenzo Styles was a top hundred recruit by at least one service. Deion Colsey was a top hundred recruit. Tobias Merriweather is a top hundred recruit. You know, there, there's there, and we know what Avery, Avery Davis was not, but he was a top 250 guy by ESPN, and he's proven what he can be. There's guys there. I, I believe every single guy on the roster, I believe a receiver, was a four star recruit. I believe every single one except Joe Wilkins. That's the exception. Jaden Thomas was a four star recruit. So, you know, if, if you whether you look at recruiting rankings, whether you look at film like I do, I care more about the film. The film backs up the recruiting rankings for the most part, although I would say a couple guys are better than some people think. There's talent there. The, the two questions I have, are they going to be prepared to play the game at a high level, which we already addressed? The second one is, and this is a big one, to be a great receiving core, you need a, a, a different attitude. You need a confidence. You need a swagger that I think this receiving core has lacked for a few years. And 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 going all the way back, I would argue, I mean, even 2019, Chase Claypool had that. The rest of the receivers did not. 2020, you didn't see that that mentality enough. At, at times, Javon would have it, but but not enough. Last year was it was completely void. And and that is that mentality of. I don't care who you put against me. I'm smoking this dude. Right. And I, and the reason I say those two things together is because I think they go hand in hand. I really do. I think the receivers knew deep down, they didn't have the arsenal to go at better corners. Like if they were jamming at the line, it's like, what do I do? I, I haven't been taught what to do here. I don't know what to do. The, the biggest indictment was when Avery Davis said in an interview uh, with uh, a guy, a former player at Clemson that, you know, where'd you learn this? And he's like, I watched YouTube videos. I mean, like, what? Have you heard of any Bama receivers or Ohio State receivers saying, no, I didn't learn anything from Brian Hartline or, or you know, Holman Wiggins. I, I learned stuff from watching YouTube videos. How did Notre Dame go 11 and two? It's because they have talent, you know? And so to me, those things go hand in hand when you're, it's why the offensive line has always played such with such supreme confidence when they have Harry Heastan. It, it's because when you know you're being prepared and you've been given all the tools you need to, to be successful, now it's up to you, that's when great players with great attitudes shine. Hey, I know I've been given everything I need to go dominate. And I and I think the receivers knew that they didn't have that. Even if they weren't willing to admit it, they knew because they, they would get their butts kicked in practice. They yeah. knew. And I think if Chancey Stuckey's the receivers coach we think he's going to be, and if he can have sort of the one-year impact, I mean, you look at 2020 Baylor to 2021 Baylor, if he can make that kind of leap just technically with the Notre Dame receivers, then I think the attitude comes. But at the end of the day, if the attitude part doesn't come, the confidence part doesn't come, the talent doesn't really matter nearly as much. And we saw that this past year. Kevin Austin was not a confident player against Purdue. 
he was not a confident player against Cincinnati. And he should have been because he's one of the biggest freaks in college football, athletically, right? I mean, name me more than four or five guys who just athletically have a better arsenal than Kevin Austin. 6'2", 210, 40-inch vertical, 4'4", 3 speed, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there isn't anybody. But he didn't play like that. Right. And that was a big issue for him. Like, just sheer athleticism, I'm taking Kevin Austin over Chris Olave any day of the week. Oh, yeah. And, and you've had some comments about Chris Olave and, you know, is he really an elite pro- But here's the thing. When you watch Chris Olave play, mm-hmm. he knows how to play and he plays with confidence. No you do the same thing when you watch guys at Alabama, right? They, they, I mean, Slade Bolden, right? Guys went undrafted, but you watch him play. He knows how to play and he plays with confidence. Devontae Smith was that way, right? John Mechie was that way. Jameson Williams was that way. That's what great players do. The Clemson receivers, I mean, even Hunter Renfro. They they are very confident players and they're they were well coached players and that's just been missing from Notre Dame in my opinion. The perfect person I think that is a good uh, is a good talking point, Brian. Is I remember draft Twitter lost their minds with Jamar Chase a little bit because he's like this six foot two hundred five pound wide receiver, right? And it's like he's a contested catch dynamo at LSU during his one year, right? It's like is that really translatable? Like is he big enough to win contested catches? It's like have you watched him play? Like the dude is an alpha, man. Like he does, he wants to football at all times. He's going to make those plays because he is that type of, of assertive player. I, th- I felt the same way about Garrett Wilson last year at Ohio State. It's like he's that was your number 11. one receiver in the draft, right? I loved Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was my top thought. guy. It was like he's 5'11, 183 pounds. He, he's almost six foot. He's like 5'11, 6'8, 183 pounds. How how does he win? Does he catch us so much? Because he's an alpha man. Like right. he wants the football. It, it's very right. there's an attitude to playing wide receiver. You think about all the great ones. It's like Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. Like they're all extremely confident, bordering on cocky in a lot of ways. But you need that at that position. Right. And I agree. I don't. I don't know if there's an alpha on the team right now. I think right. there's guys that can have that. Right. But to your point. You need a better process in order to play confidence, right? And, and right. the process was not great for them last year. The process should be improved. We'll see if someone steps up and has that alpha to them. I think the first guy that we're, look, we're looking at for the alpha is Lorenzo Styles. I think when you look at a combination of two things, obviously how he finished the year, you know, it's the recency bias thing. We watched Lorenzo against o- Oklahoma State, and it wasn't just – Okay, he caught a couple RPOs and ran, which he did. You know, he had that really nice back shoulder throw where he ran a wheel route and, and really made a nice catch coming down to it. But it's also the the package we've seen, right? He's got speed. He's over six feet tall. He's very quick and elusive. He's smart. I mean, the package is there, right? Right. He's not some midget receiver that's like five nine that you're hoping can step up. This is a six foot plus kid with a really impressive athletic skill set. And, and and so I think he's the first guy that we look at and say they need, even if it's not necessarily as the guy, they need Lorenzo Styles to make a big jump this year. This I don't know if this receiving core can reach its full potential if Lorenzo Styles doesn't step up and 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 start to tap into his ultimate potential. He is a very important piece to this puzzle for Notre Dame. And from a alignment perspective, right? Like he allows you to use so many different so many different arsenal of wide receivers out there, right? Like different rotations because he's a guy that can line up inside and out. Like I can see Lorenzo Styles lining up to the field in the slot, in the boundary at times, 
he can do all those different things. So that's, I mean, he can mix and match with guys like Deion Colsey and Avery Davis and Joe Wilkins. And you could throw out completely different rotations out there because he has that style that he can do that so well and so differently. So I agree with you. I think he's the guy because he gives you so many much, he gives you so much more possibilities in my opinion to have different personnel packages and different looks because he has that skill set to do it. I think when I look at Lorenzo, uh, you know, I think the presence of Michael Mayer is going to help him because he doesn't have to be the number one, number one. He doesn't, I think that's going to help take some of that pressure off where it's like, you know, Hey, I'm complimenting Michael Mayer, not the other way around. And I think that helps him kind of maybe early on, not have to feel like, okay, the whole defense is geared towards me. I think that should help him kind of get some confidence, but at some point in time, there are going to be teams this year that are going to feel right or wrong that they have enough to match up with Michael Mayer with their inside stuff. They have a backer that can run. They have a safety that can run something like that. And there there's going to be teams that are going to do things to try to take Lorenzo out. I think that's why this, the, the skill set, the size and the skill set you talked about is so important, Ryan, because if a team is going to game plan for Avery Davis, there's not a lot Notre Dame can do about it. If a team's going to game plan to take Braden Lindsay out, there's not a ton they can do. But I mean, they can do some things where they can stack them and get some clean releases. They can have them, you know, they can invert their 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 uh, alignment, put the slot on the line, and have Braden off. But with Lorenzo, you can play him at four different positions. You can play him outside on both sides. You can play him on inside on both sides. You can motion him. He can play boundary. He can he can literally do it all. Not necessarily all of it at an elite level, but he can do everything to where if a team does say, hey, we're going to game plan against Lorenzo, you don't just leave Lorenzo in that one spot the whole game. You can move him around. And, and you know, we we kind of project him as a slot X, a ZX. It wouldn't shock me if we got in the first game and Lorenzo starts off playing W. It would not shock me if that's the case. And so I think that's part of the, the aspect that makes him that alpha dude is, is because he does bring so much versatility to the table. And, and he can, and the other thing too, right. He has the ability to make plays on all three levels where I don't, I don't see Avery Davis as being that guy. I think Avery Davis is a first, first two levels. Now, again, he's made a couple big plays in his career and, and that's fine. When he gets one-on-ones, he can make plays. It, 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 but it's more of a, can you really be an impact guy on all three levels? And that's the thing I like about Lorenzo. I think he can take short passes and do something with it, which we've seen. I think his speed and route running potential with proper coaching could make him very difficult on like post curls, comebacks, you know, deep ends, working against the zones on sort of that 15 to 25 level. And I think the other thing is he has the speed to be a guy that can stretch the field. The question that I have about Lorenzo that he has to prove to me, and it's more of a, we just haven't seen it because of the type of high school offense he played in and how they used him last year. Can he win those, those one-on-ones down the field? that's the unknown with Lorenzo. That's what he's going to have to prove this year to me is if you get that one-on-one on the outside and you beat a guy on a post route, can you make that catch? Can you dive and lay out for a ball like you should have in the bowl game? You know, can you, can, if the quarterback underthrows you, can you go up and outplay that corner who you had beat for the ball? Those are things Lorenzo has to prove. And it's, again, it's not saying he doesn't have the skill set. We just haven't seen him do it. I mean, because the, the type of offense he came from in high school, as I said, and, and how they used him last year. So, that's kind of that final missing piece for me that I just need to see if Lorenzo has that. And if he has that, boy, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a good one in in my in my view. 
I mean, because he creates separation in so many different ways, right? Like you said, he's a good athlete already. He's a good route runner. He has smoothness to him. He can do all those things. If he now has also the ability to win above the rim, play through contact, adjust to the football in the air, then he's uncoverable at that point. Like there, he literally can mm-hmm. create separation in every single way. So I agree for him to be a well-rounded player, to be the best all-around version of himself, if he can add that layer to his football game, then, I mean, literally, Brian, if, if he can show that he can adjust the football in the air, win through contact, do all those t- little nuances of the game, what way can he not create separation? Right. Like, I mean, because he, he can run right past you. He's right. got good speed. He's right. a good route runner. He's very fluid and flexible as, as a route runner. He can re- literally can create separation every single way if he can show that he can win above the rim as well. And that's going to be the key. There's, I think, one of the knocks on Notre Dame for a number of years has been a lack of speed. I think some of that has been overblown. I, I you know, because there was we heard that a lot in 2018, right? Oh, they don't they don't have enough speed. You know, they got big receivers that have speed. Well, I think there's p- too many people that just assume big doesn't equal fast. In Chase Claypool ran a four four three. Miles Boykin was even faster. Okay, I, they don't always play fast. I think that's a part of it. I think the one thing that is that that is not being properly understood about this receiving core is this is kind of a polar opposite group of what Notre Dame's had since 2015. Since 2015, they've gone mostly with kind of like bigger guys. They've had a Stefferson here and there, and you know Avery's done some things, but it's been reliant on bigger guys. Equinemius St. Brown, Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, Miles and Chase together, Javon McKinley, Kevin Austin. They've really relied on the bigger guys, the tight ends. This group has a lot more speed, and I'm very curious to see how Tommy Reese is going to game plan for that. And the two guys, to me, that are going to signify how Tommy Reese is adjusting his offense to fit the, the fact that these guys are not big and strong, but they are really fast, is how he uses Braden Lindsay and Avery Davis. How do you adjust your offense to fit the fact that you've got three sub four or five guys in your starting lineup? That is going to be a big question for me. And and so we're going to know early on if Tommy Reese is kind of like, this is my offense and we're going to run it, even though I, I'm going to run it like I, I did when I had Javon McKinley and Ben Skronik and like I when I had Kevin Austin. Or is Tommy going to look at his talent and say, okay, I don't have that, but I got a lot of this. Let me get these guys rolling. I think that's going to be a big part of what we're going to learn about this receiving core as well. Yep. I mean, I, I agree completely. It's – um. <sighs> I'm excited about it, man. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people that are, and and this is kind of more of like an overlying mark, but I mean, I feel like some people are very pessimistic about the town in the room a little bit, you know, like it's, I really just think, cause I, I was laughing at, at something in my mind, Brian, cause someone said like, I want to see 14 personnel, right? Like I want to see four tight ends on the field. I don't, I want to see these wide receivers play football, man. Cause there is. I mean, if, if Deion Colsey can hit his, hit his potential and Lorenzo Styles hits his potential, then we're not even, having this deep of a conversation, right? right? Because those guys' talents are just so through the roof. I mean, I this is one of the more talented wide receiver units, I think, at least at the top that I've seen at Notre Dame in a couple years. Like, yeah. I think it's a really talented. From group. one to five to six? Absolutely. Yes, like from a yeah. depth perspective. Yeah, it's – and I know, again, you know, the the fact of having seven scholarship receivers is unsettling. I get that. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, you're totally okay to believe that, and I believe it too. I mean, it's – right. There's an injury or two, then you're like, oh man, right? Guy doesn't pan out or two, yeah, very much so. Getting dicey, but I I really think that people need to appreciate for a second that we're talking about kids, and you mentioned already, it's like top 100 recruit after top 100 recruit and four star recruit after four star. They're not running bums out there. 
you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. Right. Exactly. It said perfectly. I mean, it is just need a couple of them to step up, man. And if they do, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be very fun. I think that the, the unique aspect of it too, is the fact that they can stretch the field. I think that mm-hmm. is that, that like, I felt like Notre Dame is like, I felt like the previous staff looked for those power forwards, a receiver. I, I, I thought they really, and I don't mind those guys. I mean, you know, I think Deion Colesley can be that kind of guy. I think Deion could be really, really good. We'll get to him in a minute. I agree, yeah. But I think that they kind of relied on we're going to complement the run game with these big guys that can win one on ones, and 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 I think that there's another way to do that, and and that that this you, that Tommy's going to have to show that he understands this year. And I'm not saying he does or doesn't. I'm just saying we need to see it because this receiving core is going to look a little different this year. And that is the other way to complement a running game is with a bunch of really fast guys, a la Alabama. Ohio mm-hmm. State, right? Guys that, you know, teams that, that you know, Ohio State's run the ball. They didn't last year, so I think partly why they, you know, Travion Henderson ran the ball well, but as a team, they weren't the typical running team that they were in the past, especially in some of the bigger games. And I think that's part of the reason that they made a change from Coach Stud to Justin Fries, because when Ryan Day's offense has been really dangerous, they have run the football more effectively. And that he wants to be more balanced out of a pa- they're a passing offense that desires a, a run game that really complements it effectively and they can really hammer you in the run game and they've done it with what speed right small fast guys what did what was alabama's 2020 receiving core built of small fast and quick guys not even fast quick guys Devonte smith guys. there's a reason Devonte smith didn't run to 40 in my opinion and it wasn't because he hurt his hand now right? he's gonna he's gonna run the mid four fives at hundred. Same re- same pounds. reason that yeah. that that uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa didn't run a forty at Notre Dame. Right. I was told this several months before. I was like, don't be shocked if Jeremiah runs a slow forty. I was like, get out of here with this. I know seriously, he, he consistently runs in the high four sixes at Notre Dame. I was like, okay, I mean, because he doesn't play that way, right? And and so it's it's quick, it's game speed and things like that. And and so to me, I think that's why we talk a lot about Brain Lindsay. And we and we're not going to rehash this again because we talked about it yesterday a lot in our breakout show. But getting Braden Lindsay to be the guy that we've all thought he could be, and we saw glimpses of in 2019, I think that would have an even bigger impact on this offense than even Lorenzo becoming an alpha. And the reason I say that is is because Braden and because Braden can do things that even I don't think Lorenzo can do to the level Braden does. And I think Lorenzo's fast, but is he Braden Lindsay fast? Is he going to take a reverse? No, I don't think he is that fast. Right. You know, it's more of a Braden has game-changing speed. He's shown that. If he can get to that point, I think that has an even bigger impact because now you have that dynamic element to complement Michael Mayer. You have that, hey, you want to put eight in the box, just so you know, you got Lorenzo on one side and Braden on the other side. There's a lot we can do with this. So if you want to put eight in a box, just know you're gonna you, you better hope your corner can really run because we're gonna take shots. And I think that is why I say no emergence this year could have a bigger impact on this offense. In my opinion, and I want to I want to know your opinion because I didn't say I didn't say I was gonna say this. Mm-hmm. No receiver's emergence this year could have a greater overall impact on this offense than Braden Lindsay being healthy every game and being the big play dynamic home run weapon that he was in 2019. What are your thoughts on that? I think it brings something completely different to the table that we we've mentioned already, right? It's like Lorenzo Styles has good speed, you know, and I I think he's a four four type of athlete. Deion Colsey for his size has good speed. There's 
a bunch of good speed on this roster. There's anybody that has bordering on elite speed, right? Like it's a different element in my opinion, right? And so I agree with you in that sense. I think it brings a completely different layer to this offense, right? The, the fact that he can take the top off the team defense, both from a running perspective and from a, right. I mean, he, he could take the top off. And I would also say this, Brian, in the one practice I saw Brayden Lindsay, we talked a lot about the alpha mentality, right? He was playing with swagger, man. Yeah. Like he was, I had never seen Brayden Lindsay play like this in his Notre Dame career. He was playing like he knew he was going to win every rep. So I, yeah, I agree with you. If he's playing like that with the God-given gifts that he has, right. it completely changes the dynamic of your passing game. I think he also adds a personality that it needs to. Because I think to your point, let me guess, Braden was talking. Oh, yeah. Right? He was demonstrative. Finish. Not in Finish. a disrespectful yeah. way, but a demonstrative. He has a very outward confidence. Mm-hmm. I think you need a guy like that, a receiver. Lorenzo is a very confident player, but Lorenzo is one of the, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, silent assassin, right? Like Lorenzo is one of the most calm, demeanored, like, you know, you almost kind of think he's that guy that you see and you're like, he's just out there kind of balling and you're like, yeah, I could take that dude. Look how he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have that it about him. Right. And then you start playing him and you're like, okay, this dude is putting in work on me. I can't guard this guy. Right. Thinking about like playing basketball. And so to me, when I look at Lorenzo, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you have to be who you are. Avery Davis is not that outgoing. He's more of the quarterback of the room. Shocker, because he was a quarterback. He's that intelligent leader, you know, mild-mannered. I think somebody's got to step up and be that personality. And Braden has that. But you can't be that guy if, if if it's not being backed up by your play. And that's the key. And that's why I say again that I think his impact could could have a huge, huge uh, – it could have – I mean, his him breaking out, if he's able to, could have a huge impact. Now he's got to go prove it, right? So I think he does a lot. And there's another guy who who I think, Ryan, I'll transition to this. There's another returner who could have an even greater impact, big picture on this offense, even if he doesn't step up as, number, as one of the number one or two receivers. If he could just be a legitimate – this guy has forced his way on the field. He's too good not to play. And that's Deion Colsey. And it is amazing how quickly some Notre Dame fans want to dismiss a kid who's a freaking sophomore who caught more passes as a freshman than Miles Boykin, who caught one fewer pass as a freshman than Chase Claypool caught as a freshman, two fewer passes as a freshman than Will Fuller caught as a freshman, Golden Tate caught as a freshman. He caught one fewer than Kevin Austin had as a freshman, and yet he's already, we're already dismissing it. Some, some, some already dismissing him as if like, wow, he, he, he can't play. It blows my mind how we do this. Like after one year, Tyler Buckner can't throw it and Deion Colson can't play. Like, come on y'all. But I think if, if Deion can be that guy, he, because he, he has even, even with Tobias Merriweather on the roster, Deion brings something to the table that nobody else in the roster can do, can, 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 can bring. I mean, no one can come even close. And that is he's six, five, he's over two Oh five. And he's long and he's athletic. He's going to be 20 pounds bigger than what Tobias Merriweather is. And so they need him to, he's going to play this year, but is he playing because he has to, and you don't have anybody else like him? Or is he playing because, wow, this kid has stepped up. That's going to be a very important piece to this, Ryan. Because this is the whole conversation, right? There's a lot of ifs. 
This is what we're talking. There's if this happens, if Lorenzo steps up, if Avery's healthy, if Braden Lindsay becomes that guy, if Deion Colsey does this, if there's a lot of ifs, and that's the concern that people have. But sometimes those ifs pan out. And if Deion Colsey steps up as well, he brings that big boy attitude to the game that Dion is a Dion has a switch that hasn't been turned on yet. And, and, and a lot of it is it, it, people say, well, it's because he, does, he doesn't work hard. It's not it. What it is is Dion is, is so incredibly physically gifted with size and athleticism. I mean, go watch him play basketball and, and, and watch some of the dunks he throws down when he was in high school. He was just so much – because he went to a really small private school, he was so much better than everybody around him. I don't think he realizes that the gear that's in him at this point in time. When the switch goes on and Dion figures it out, this kid's going to be really good, really good. Now, will that switch go on? That's the uncertainty. But the skill set is there, Ryan. There's no question about it. I think I have a take. You want to hear a take, Ryan? We're going to do a take here. All right. I believe that Deion Colsey has the most volatile projection for the year. You could sell me on him being that's not the take yet, by the way. Mm-hmm. You could it's sell good setup me on, then. Yeah. You can tell me that he is going to be one of the top two or three contributors on the team at the receiver position. And I would say, cool, I get that. Sure. Or you could tell me that he's the fourth or fifth guy and he's just kind of a middling producer just a depth guy. for his role. Exactly. Yeah. Just taking snaps away from yeah. If Deion Colsey makes an ascension to being the former in that conversation and he becomes the guy or close to the guy, that is the best case scenario for the Notre Dame wide receiver room because he is the one that you have maybe the least expectation because there is Mm -hmm. a lower floor to him. Like I feel like Lorenzo Styles, even if he doesn't become the dude, you expect him to still be a good player, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Brayden Lindsay has his role. Avery Davis, you know what you're expecting out of him. Joe Wilkins, you pretty much know what you're expecting out of mm-hmm. him. Deion Coles, you have no idea what he's going to be. He is an enigma of all enigmas. But if he hits, then, wow, you have mm-hmm. 6'5", speed, athleticism, contested catchability, mm-hmm. and also you have Lorenzo Styles, Avery Davis, right. and the more more known commodities. And what you can do with them, Ryan, that's the thing, yep. is you don't have to do Lorenzo there at the, the W spot. You don't have to put Michael Mayer there because of him. So it's not just him stepping up, Ryan. Him breaking out impacts the whole thing. Agree. Agree. So if I'm correct in reading yep. you correctly, Mm-hmm. Are you saying that you think like so? I had my take that I think yep. if Brain Lindsay breaks out, he has a bigger impact on this whole thing than anybody else. Are you arguing that it, it could end up being Dion that is that guy? Not that it's 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 not right or wrong. It's just I, I a, think it's a view. Yeah, I think that Brayden Lindsay unlocks the most possibilities from a all areas of the field field perspective. Okay. But I think that Deion Colsey has the higher upside to unlocking the full potential of the sure. passing wide receiver room, if that makes sure. sense. So what you're so so you're saying is you then you agree with my take that I'm looking at it from a game planning standpoint. Braden stepping up does so much and has a bigger impact on how this offense is shaped exactly. than anybody. What you're saying, however, is if if Dion steps up, the complementary nature of this of this receiving core is they have everything that they need. 100 percent. Yep. Okay. That's a yep. that's okay. And I I would I would 
And I would say that's a very good take. Now, I, I think the part of your take that I like the most, Ryan, is there's no player on the step chart of the returners that is the greater seal versus floor, ceiling versus floor for this season than Dion. You are you are spot on on that. Spot on. Like, because as you said, he's gonna play this year, but is he gonna play like a is he gonna have a Daniel Smith role? I'm just blocking and taking reps away, Casey getting a throw. Or does he become, you know, sophomore version of Chase Claypool? You know, 29 catches, 400-plus yards, guy that really helps your your offense, you know, really nice compliment to your offense. And then, then we start thinking about, oh, boy, 2023 with what Lorenzo did last year and Dion showing his flashes, boy, this thing could get really exciting. I, I could certainly see that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here's here's a guy that that to me is is another interesting player because he also brings a unique skill set. That's Jaden Thomas. Jaden Thomas brings a really unique aspect to this where where I feel so much better about the depth chart if Jaden Thomas can carry over his good spring into the fall because we heard a lot of talk about how good he was in practices and we never saw him play. It's kind of it's hilarious to me that there's people already writing off Deion Colsey for Jaden Thomas when Jaden's never played a snap of college football. But that's just the nature of fandom. I understand that. But I will say this. I think Jaden is a kid that he's 6'1". He's 210-plus pounds. He's a thick-bodied kid. He's a pretty good outfit, or a pretty good athlete. He was a center fielder at Pace that, that there was talk he would play college baseball. We had people asking, hey, is Jaden Thomas on the baseball team this year? He's not. But he, he was banged up as a senior. He was banged up part of his freshman year, came on strong late, we didn't when you guys were there. I, he was the guy that I told you and Sean and Vince, hey, watch Jaden Tom, and he never did much. But then we got to the spring game, and he did kind of what people had said. I mean, he takes a jet sweep, jukes Ramon Henderson out of his shoes, and makes a play. He makes some good catches. If he can, he's a guy to me that's key to the depth because the thing I like about Jaden is he and Lorenzo bring the most positional flexibility of any of the returners, Ryan. That Jaden can play W, Jaden can play Z, Jaden can play X. I think he can play all three of those positions. So having a sort of a Swiss Army knife guy like that coming off the bench or even starting to where then, you know, you put someone in a W and then he moves to Z and, you know, there's all types of things. I think he could be a guy that helps really solidify this depth chart to where you start feeling like, okay, they only have six to seven guys, but man, these guys are all good players and you have this kid. And he also solidifies it even more if other guys don't pan out of their injuries because he can do so much he can him him being healthy is 
incredibly important, and him proving that he's capable of making plays is important because he protects your depth chart more than any other player because of that versatility. He's a weird player for me, Brian, because like you said, he didn't really pop in practice much. And like, I mean, because he's a he's a good size kid. I think his athleticism is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that everything he's not super just, explosive. He doesn't jump out at you with like, oh, wow, what a freaky athlete. Yeah, right. I, I think it's solid all the way around. I don't think there's like one trait where you're just kind of like, wow, that is impressive about Jane Thomas. But then you get to the game. It's just like. He just makes plays, man. Like he just might be that gamer. And I know I hate that cliche. I really do because it's mm-hmm. it's hard to quantify, but he might just be a good football player. And if he's a good football player with what you said, being able to play all three spots in Notre Dame's offense, that's really valuable. Because literally, imagine how many different rotation possibilities now, like different, different, um, different approaches that you can take where Jane Thomas is in the game. Okay, like we don't have to pigeonhole ourselves to bringing an, an X receiver, a a Z receiver specifically, right? Like you can just throw anybody out there with Jaden, and Jaden can mm-hmm. play multiple roles. Like that right. is ever valuable. So right. I feel like I don't have much expectation for Jaden because I think that there's other players maybe with more God-given ability on the roster, but I just have a feeling that he's just going to be like, wow, Jaden Thomas is just a really solid contributor, yeah. like all the way around yeah. from the team. Yeah, I, I think he brings that. He brings that. I, I, and I, you need kids like that. Maybe he's not ever the guy, but he's just going to be a really important piece to your to your operation for years. And that's kind of how I see Jaden Jaden's role being. And and there's a need for guys like that. I think someone just put a a, a comp in there, a Notre Dame comp. I think someone said Rima McKnight, and I actually don't hate that. Man. I don't hate that. I, I don't hate I'll that. Post knee injury. Rima sure. McKnight because Rima sure. was a different kind of cat before the injury. He was a, you know, could take, he was a little bit more sleuthy, I think is a way that I would say it, but, but post Rima and that post Rima had like 15 touchdown catches in 2006. So it's good. That's a good football player. But yeah, I mean, and Rima wasn't huge and Jaden's thicker than Rima was, but they're about the same height, you know, sneaky athleticism, good ball skills. I, I like that comp. I really, I hope, I hope I like that comp. I can live with that. I can definitely live with that. Now the final piece. We love talking about the new toys in the room, right? And 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 the new toy in this room is is Tobias Merriweather. Now, I first want to kind of get your thoughts on him because obviously he signed before you came on board at Irish Breakdown. He was my number one ranked player in the class, not the offensive class, the entire class. And and he is a guy that that you know, that, that every fan in here knows I'm extremely high on. He was a top 50 national recruit on SI All-American, mainly because of my push for him to be a top 50 player in SI All-American. John Garcia loved them too, but that was a guy that I really pushed for being that kind of player, Ryan. Before we talk about his impact on the 2022 team, I first want to get your thoughts on uh, Tobias Merriweather as a, as a prospect, because the interesting thing is my comp for him is for a player that you're not quite as high on as I was in college, I believe, or more, maybe that was more an NFL draft it, thing. It was, it was, it was a draft thing. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, the, I wasn't the, I, like, I liked T Higgins as a second round player. There were just a lot of people that were ranking him as like a first round lock type mm-hmm. of guy. And he ends up going in the second. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like for, uh, cause I just, I didn't think of T as a number one wide receiver on mm-hmm. the NFL level. Like that's all. I mean, so I liked him for what he was, but I do like the comp because I think the biggest thing for me is that Tobias Merriweather is incredibly long, right? Like he's 6'4 and he's got vines, easy. 
he separates deep more than I think his time speed would be, even though I think his time speed's pretty good. But like, I think that length really separates down the field because he's got just crazy stride length. Like it's, it's pretty silly. There's a lot of natural to him as a player. I would call him incredibly smooth, some craftiness to him too. But like for a guy that's six foot four, I wouldn't expect quite as good a route runner as he is, but he is mm-hmm. for his age. I think a really advanced route runner. Yes. For being a six foot four kid, because sometimes, yes. sometimes six foot four kids, especially high school kids, like they don't have great sync in their hips, and they kind of telegraph things and do all type of stuff. He's really smooth, man. He understands mm-hmm. how to hit blind spots and take advantage of angles and set guys up. There's kind of a craftiness to a Tobias Merriweather, and then you add in that he's six foot four with good speed, and yeah. kind of have every angle covered there. I also like the fact that he's checked in at one eighty eight. That was a question because he's going to add five pounds this summer. I mean, he's going to be in the 190s when the season starts. And I thought that was important for me. I wanted to see what his actual weight would be, and, and he put in a lot of work. He battled a hamstring during track. This is the amazing thing. He battled a hamstring during during track, but still went out and won a state championship. And I, be, I believe he, he won a state championship in the 200. I, I, I'm pretty sure. Last year as a junior, he won the 100, 200, and 400 on the same day. Which again, and if you look at his track times, his hundred times are not phenomenal, but his two hundred meter times for for are, are much much. He ran a sub twenty two this year in the two hundred meter, and I believe that won a state championship. I believe, but you know, this is a kid that to me, like you said, he he doesn't have that blow away. Oh wow, um, this kid's unbelievable type of speed. But he's just next thing you know, he just gets by you, and that's how I always felt about T Higgins. When when T Higgins ran a a four five seven at the combine or at his pro day, I was like, yeah, that's about right. But T Higgins averaged like nineteen yards a catch during his career at Clemson, because again, there's there's more ways to be a, a vertical weapon than just to, you know, be uh be a burner. And and that's kind of that's kind of when you look at it. He did win, by the way, he did win the state championship in the two hundred. He ran a twenty one point eight. The next closest guy was twenty two point oh six. And then the next guy was 22.18. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, you're winning by, by a bit at that point in time. And that's what he kind of brings to the table, right? I love the fact that you pointed to, this is one of the savviest high school kids in their name assigned in a while in regards. He knows how to play the game. He knows how to run routes. You know, there was a clip that his, I think his dad put out, or maybe it was from a local radio channel. Uh, but he, he, it was him just shaking a dude at the line, getting on top, stacking him. I'm thinking this is the best route I've seen from a receiver affiliate with Notre Dame all year. And it's a freaking it's from a high school kid. You know what I mean? So that's the interesting thing about him. Why I think he needs to play as a freshman is because he's not a kid that's just athletic that you need to teach how to play the game. Tobias already knows how to play the game. It, for him, it's just about adding strength. Can he hold up at the next level? But he's a kid that I think that if you're Chancey Stucky, you have to give him every chance to to earn a spot in this rotation for two reasons. One is he's very talented. Number two, I think Tobias. This is going to sound weird. I would immediately put Tobias at the same position that Deion Colsey is going to play this spring. Because the thing I love about Tobias is I think Tobias can play field and boundary. I think he can play both. But I'm putting him in the boundary because I think Tobias could be the key to unlocking Deion Colsey and maybe getting that switch turned on. Because it's going to be the first time really in Deion's life that he's going to be able to look another dude in the eye who's like really talented as well, if you catch my drift bigger kid and if Tobias comes out and is balling Dion's gonna have a choice okay 
Uh, am I going to step up or not? And if he does, that's okay because one of two things, you can play them both, right? Or now you start transitioning Tobias into also playing X. And and so to me, him that's the other reason, sneaky reason that I'm going to try to get Tobias push, push this year, Ryan, is because I think he brings some of that to the table. So he's another guy that I, I think has a chance to be a really impact player for Notre Dame. And, and it would not shock me. I'm not predicting it, but it would not shock me if by the end of the year, he's one of their three best receivers, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe he won't play the most reps, but as far as when he is on the field, that dude's making plays. It would not shock me if Notre Dame fans at the end of the year com- are, are clamoring for him to play more and, and, and get more opportunities. So I, I, uh, I feel he's a, he's got a chance to be a really really good player. There's a question actually about this from Detroit Hunter. Mm-hmm. Brian, would you say that Tobias is more of a Lindsay mold for his role in the future than Dion? No, I don't think that. I I think because Lindsay's a jet sweep crosser. I mean, D- Tobias is still a vertical player. What I mean is the the boundary at Notre Dame has been kind of a you know comeback routes, go routes, post routes, in cuts. It's designed kind of for a bigger player traditionally, Ryan, whereas mm-hmm. Tobias can do those things, but that's not necessarily where I would have him. It's kind of like, you know, I, I like him as like a more of a field player. We can work for work, work in space and his route running is even more important. I think he can play the boundary. No yeah. question. And if he's their starting boundary receiver at some point, I won't be shocked. But my whole thing about Tobias and Dion is they complement each other as well. They don't have to just be the same position. They can play together much like Chase and, and Miles. And and I would argue that 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 duo is more athletic. Dion and 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 Tobias is more athletic than Chase and Miles. It may not be as explosive as those two with the great verticals and the forty speed, but fluidity, smooth. I mean, Dion Colsey played cornerback in high school, and you watch him flip his hips. You're like, this dude's kind of smooth, right? He's not some six five stiff. It's a it's a very athletic group that can play together, and they can also play the same position. So that's why at first I'm putting them in the same position, and if Dion steps up, then I can easily transition to bias somewhere else. So I don't think he plays in the Lindsay mold. Uh, to 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 me, I think if there was a Notre Dame player that I would compare him to, this is going to sound weird. So let me explain. It would be the 2015 version of Will Fuller. Let me explain. I'm not saying he plays the game the same way. I'm talking about the routes that you would use him on would be similar, right? Now, with Will, you used Will on go routes. You use him on post routes. You use him on deep drags, right, crossers and stuff like that. And with Will, you were using him on those routes because of his 4-3 speed. With Tobias, you're using him on those same concepts, but you're using him more on his size speed combination and route running combination. Does that make sense, Ryan? Like – same comp, same route package. You're just beating teams with that route package with size and route running, as opposed to where, um, as opposed to like with Will, it was just about the speed. If that right. makes sense, it's it's your so you're doing the same job, but you're you're going about it differently. Correct. Right? Same route package, yeah. right? And that's what right. I say. Use him the same way you use Will Fuller as far as the calls, the way you used him. But the success is being achieved with a different skill set. That's why I said, let me explain what I mean here. Mm -hmm. So if you were to compare the routes that Will Fuller won on in 2015, you say, wow, you're using Tobias on a lot of the same routes. 
Tobias is winning a different way because he's stemming you up and leaning and, and where Will just would, was not much of a route runner. He just run by you. Yep. And, and I think that's where I'm getting to, right? So like the post first Makes play sense. of the game at USC, right? You have you have Will Fuller just outruns a Dory Jackson for an 80-yard touchdown. I'd run that same route with Tobias Merriweather. He's just going to win differently, and he'll get right. he'll get caught after 50 yards where Will took it 80. Sure. Right? Yeah. I mean that. But the concept and the manner in which you attack the defense is going to be with similar route combinations. That's what I'm referring to with those two. You know who he reminds me a lot of, Brian? I know you probably haven't seen this player yet, but he's one of my favorite watches so far for returning wide receivers. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest is mm-hmm. like the same dude, man. I'm talking about Tobias compared to him. Mm-hmm. Kid's like 6'5". Kid is long. He's actually more like 6'4"-ish, which is more in Tobias's ballpark anyway. I think he's got really nice speed for his position. Um, the problem is that Sam Hartman has no arm, so everything is underthrown <laughs> in that offense. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so everything looks like you can test the catch, but you're like, oh, wait, oh, he had a couple stride links on him. It was just a little bit underthrown there. But same thing, like really crafty, gets in and out of breaks for a six foot four guy, like just a little bit of a comparison there. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Deion Colsey, when he was coming out of high school, kind of backtracking to our Colsey Tobias Merriweather position battle, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Deion Colsey was he a young guy coming out of high school or was he yes. pretty he was yes. younger Dion was Dion was a, almost a year younger than most of his class gotcha. and that's another reason I've said to people let's pump the brakes on because Dion looks old I mean he's got a beard he's got he's big <laughs> he's muscular he's got the braids he looks old but he's not he's a young he's young for his age I'll be willing to bet you that there's not a lot of distance between Dion and Tobias from an age standpoint Gotcha. Compared to Jaden Thomas and Lorenzo, in my opinion. And and I think it's going to be good that you're going to have someone a similar age or maybe even a hair younger that's going to push him, right? Mm Because for the first time, because he comes into college last year and he's like, oh, well, yeah, there's a lot of really good players. I'm the young guy, though, so I can lay low here, right? Like I'm behind Kevin. Kevin's the vet. Right. Exactly. Now you're kind of like, oh, this guy's coming in. I have a year under my belt and he's pushing me already because he is as talented as I am. Right. Right. Like maybe not even as talented as I am, but he has maybe a different approach to the game and maybe slightly more maturity at this stage. Right. Right. So now you look at that battle and I agree. I think that it can unlock him going back to your original point that Tobias Merriweather may be a godsend for Mm -hmm. a Deion Colsey that may unlock his uh, his his biggest potential there. Yeah. I've said this, Tobias Merriweather to me is the best receiver Notre Dame has signed in the last decade. I really believe that just as far as what I graded him, I will, I'll make this, this is a bit of a a hot take. I think Uh, not in a sense where I'm trying to create um, it, but I think it's going to be taken that way. I would argue that if everybody pans out and reaches their full potential on this receiving core, the highest draft pick is Deion Colsey. I just think I think he, you know, you look at their track times, he had better 100 meter times, he has he was a crazy jumper. He was a really good basketball player. He's young. He's 6'5", he's 205, 210 pounds already. I just think the kid's got a lot of ability. I just think to your original point though, Ryan, is he's the one guy that I just look at and I say, but I just don't know if the lights ever going to go on for him because we just haven't seen it. And, and whereas with Tobias, you can point to things he did in high school. Like, Deion was just getting by. He was just so much better than everybody else. Tobias, were, you know, is is so good because of the skill that he brings to the table. Dion is talented. Tobias is skilled. There's a different thing. Now, a talented guy can become a skilled guy, 
And a skilled guy can also be talented, which Tobias is. He's also talented. And, and so that's the interesting piece to this. They, they, they to me, are, are the, the future. Because if, you, if you're talking about going into 2023 with Tobias and Dion outside, with Lorenzo in the slot, I mean, that's a receiving core that I could I could I could get around. I could I could support that. I, yes. I could I could dig that. I could really dig that. Uh, assuming those guys step up and reach their ability, so it, it all wraps up to Ryan that the, this the, the talent's not the issue, right? Like, yeah. It's it's experience, it's depth, it's all all these type of things. It's not a talent issue in Notre Dame. There there there's plenty of talent at receiver this year and you know we should start to see that will they become will all of them reach their full potential this year no very few people reach their full potential as freshmen and sophomores you'll start to see a glimpse of their full potential this year though and that's what i think this team needs because you do have michael mayer you don't need them to reach their full potential just start to show it start to play with some consistency make plays when when we need you to but when you have michael mayer you don't need to be lorenzo styles doesn't need to be his junior senior version of himself in 2022 he needs to be the best version of his sophomore self. That's what he needs to do. And that's what they're going to be able to bring to the table, in my opinion. Agree. Agree. So we had some receiver recruiting news break during the show, Ryan. <laughs> sure did. Sure if you did. want to go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's already up on the message board, which is why you should be on there. And it, it broke on Twitter during the show, during the first few minutes. Cam Williams, 2024 wide receiver will be committing on the 29th of this month. So we'll, we will have a decision on him very soon. Notre Dame is amongst his biggest leaders currently. We I know Brian saw him at the Irish Invasion where C.J. Carr was at, um, and a, a Jack Larson and a very talented crew, Bronte Johnson. There was a lot of talent in the Irish Invasion weekend. So Cam Williams will be making his decision next week, later this month. And we expect Notre Dame, obviously, to be very much in that conversation. Yeah, I think this is one that that Notre Dame's in a good place. And yep. and the fact is he wasn't planning originally on making a decision, but I think things are headed in the right direction. So, uh definitely definitely. Yep. So we will we will I don't I, he said the 29th, right? Ryan, is that what he said? So it'll be next Wednesday. Yep. We'll have a well looks like we'll be having two shows on Wednesday. So, <laughs> Can't uh wait, man. Yeah, Can't man. Wait. Yeah. Um, and, and it looks like 8 p.m. Eastern is when okay, he's making so we'll have, on the 29th. Finalists wait. include Iowa, Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Cincinnati. Michigan would be the only real player there, potential player there. Agree. But uh, I think Notre Dame's done a, a really nice job here. And there, there was a comment during the show, Ryan, from SB Flood. He said, uh, talking about Jaden Thomas, he said, uh, Jaden Thomas, number 83, is by far the best prospect on Notre Dame's receiver group, no doubt. All it takes is to watch practice. Highlights, he has it. Uh, he is far ahead of Colsey, not even close. Thomas gets no love. Thomas gets a lot of love, first of all. But I think the point that I wanted to bring this up is the fact that we we see so much debate about who actually is the better of the receivers or is kind of part of where my optimism comes from. Because it's not, I mean, it's it's partly the concern because, well, who is the guy? I mean, if, if everybody was proven, you'd know who it is. But I think the fact that someone can jump in and say Jaden Thomas where someone else could jump in and be like, Jaden Thomas, he's like your sixth best receiver. The fact that we're having this conversation is, to me, part of where my, I'm just not as worried about receivers, maybe some other people. Because we we can have a conversation where somebody could argue for Braden, somebody could argue for Lorenzo, somebody could argue for Dion, somebody could argue for Tobias, somebody could argue for Avery Davis, somebody could argue for Jaden Thomas. 
and your argument wouldn't be stupid. Like that's the whole point, right? Like sometimes like, dude, come on, seriously. Like that's a dumb argument. I'm not going to sit there and say that SB flood is, Oh, you're going to be wrong. Maybe he could be. I mean, we just talked about, he's one of the few guys at six, one, two, 10, they can play all three positions. You know, Braden Lindsay brings this to the table. Tobias does this. Dion does this. It, it, it's partly why I am optimistic, Ryan. And, and I think the fact, too, is, is that I do think the running game is going to be much better, which also is going to take some of the pressure. Where last year, if the if the receiving core didn't step up and make plays, they had no chance to, to be effective offensively. I think you're going to see the pressure be taken off that group a little bit even more because of the run game. I do think that's going to be a, a, a part of this as well. 